X27, number 2A. This leads to the mistaken assumption that it makes no difference in meaning when an idea of God is used either in conjunction with mind, or with spirit, or with soul, etc. If this were true, it would have been quite irrational of Mrs. Eddy to introduce seven terms and would have to be regarded as a completely unnecessary complication. But to take the synonymous terms as identical terms and therefore as freely interchangeable is neither the dictionary's meaning nor Mrs. Eddy's use of the word. Funk and Wagnalls describes synonymous as follows. By synonymous words, we usually understand words that coincide or nearly coincide in some part of their meaning and may hence, within certain limits, be used interchangeably, while outside of these limits they may differ very greatly in meaning and use. Thus, synonymous terms are only interchangeable within certain limits, but not outside these limits. It is therefore our task to find out in which respect the seven synonymous terms for God correspond, and in which they differ and are consequently not freely interchangeable. The seven synonymous terms for God Mrs. Eddy answers this point herself by explaining that the seven synonymous terms for God have one thing in common. They refer to one absolute God. Science and Health 465.12 In that office she capitalizes them. But apart from the fact that they all refer to one absolute God, the seven synonymous terms differ very greatly in meaning. Each of them characterizes the one God in a different way, and it is the purpose of a closer study to find out these differences in order to learn the characteristics of each synonym, thereby unfolding to our understanding something of the exact operation of God's nature. Such a study becomes a treasure trove for every student, and it is scarcely possible here to give any idea of the vastness of the insight it brings. As we begin to investigate the meaning of each synonym, we soon realize that each synonym is characterized by a large number of ideas, which are not specific to the other six synonyms. In this way, we begin to perceive the definite distinctions between each synonym, which are as clear and definite as the distinctions between the seven colors of the spectrum. Do we not find in this an analogy for Mrs. Eddy's statement that science is the prism of truth, which divides its rays and brings out the hues of deity? Retrospection 35, 13-14 The prism in optics, 
splits up the white light into its seven main colors. In Christian science, the prism is science, which analyzes the one God into its fundamental seven aspects of mind, spirit, soul, principle, life, truth, love. In the same way as blue is clearly distinguishable from red, so mind is clearly distinguishable from love. Again, just as there are many shades of blue, so are there many ideas of mind. This is the case with every one of the seven synonyms for God. Synonym study. The question may now arise. How are we to find out which ideas characterize the synonymous terms for God? We can start by taking each synonym in turn, and beginning with mind, look up every sentence in the textbook where the term mind occurs. Read it through, consider it, and ask ourselves, what ideas characterizes mind in this sentence? In doing this, we should ask ourselves such questions as, What is mind? What does mind do? What does mind have? How does mind interpret itself? The answer can usually be stated in a single word, such as, Power, Law, Action, Intelligence creator, cause, origin, and so on. If we make a list of all these ideas and ponder them, we shall soon see that they are very closely related in their spiritual meaning, and thus blend to form what we may call one common spiritual tone, namely the tone of mind then mind will come to mean something very tangible and definite to spiritual sense, and we shall have a Christianly scientific sense of mind instead of our own sense of it. We can then take the other synonyms in turn, but we should do it in the order given in Mrs. Eddy's definition of God. Science and Health, 465.10. Through this careful and consecrated study, it will become obvious to us that Mrs. Eddy associates specific ideas intrinsically with a specific synonymous term for God, and that each synonymous term, therefore, characterizes God in a specific aspect. Existing literature written for this purpose may help us in this study. C. Max Kapler, Compendium for the Study of Christian Science. Each synonym is treated in a separate booklet, giving the main ideas of each synonym, and also a list in chronological order of all the references to the respective synonym in the textbook. See also Max Kapler, The Seven Synonyms for God. However, 
It is not intended to become a substitute for our own individual research work in the textbook, but should serve only as a guide. Science demands order. When we have done this, we shall have gained some knowledge of what constitutes the fundamental elements of the nature of God. This is a good deal, yet not enough to say that we have begun to understand the science of Christian science. Why? When we discussed earlier the meaning of science, we found that science was defined as knowledge reduced to law and embodied in system. And we saw that a knowledge of unrelated facts does not amount to the meaning of science. Therefore, a knowledge of the specific ideas which characterize each synonym alone cannot be classified as science or scientific knowledge. More is needed, namely, the relationship and interrelationship of these ideas. The simplest relationship is order. In arithmetic, we have the ten digits, but scientific knowledge in arithmetic really begins only when these ten digits are understood in their fundamental order of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The child in the kindergarten may be, may be able to write down numbers. He may know how to draw a seven, but only when he begins to know the value of numbers in relation to one another has he begun to touch the science of arithmetic, and not before. The most fundamental and simplest relationship in arithmetic is the process of addition, as given in the order of the ten digits. Order is heaven's first law, Pope. In fact, in all sciences, we find that the first law is order. Recalling the other illustration we used, the prism, we have there the law that the prism always splits up the white light in the same way, so that the colors of the spectrum invariably appear in the same order. So, in divine metaphysics, it is not enough to know what the specific and characteristic idea of each of the seven synonymous terms for God are. We must also know how these terms are related to one another. We must know what their fundamental order is. This fundamental order is stated in the definition of God, which Mrs. Eddy gives on page 465.10 of Science and Health as mind, spirit, soul, principle, life, truth, love. This is a definite order and not an arbitrary one. It is an order that starts logically with mind, the cause and origin of all and leads in a spiritually logical sequence of constant unfolding to love's fulfillment. 
this is a very important point. The Word of God. When studying the definition of God, we should keep two things clearly in mind. First, we have to investigate what each term of the seven synonyms means. And second, we have to grasp why they are linked in this order. That is, we must understand what relates mind logically, inevitably, and conclusively to spirit. Spirit to soul, soul to principle, and so on. This is why we should study the synonymous terms from the very outset according to this fundamental order. This order is impelled by the divine law of creation, the word of God, which explains why it starts with mind, the creator, and ends with love, the fulfillment. As we begin to gain the spiritual meaning of mind, the tone of mind, thought feels impelled to carry this forward and link it with the nature of spirit, then on to soul, and so on. Thus, thought spontaneously begins to sense the inevitable order of the word. The word of God is the divine logos of creation. And the Bible tells us that through the word of God, all was made that was made. The word of God is the important chain linking up mind with spirit, spirit with soul, and so on, thus determining the divine order of creation from cause, mind, to fulfillment, love. It is the dynamics the rhythm impelling the ordered sequence of creation. The beauty and holiness of science lie in this, that the moment thought begins to touch scientifically the tone of mind, it is drawn into the divine dynamics of the order of the Word of God, and through ordered states, and stages of consciousness is led in the chain of scientific being up to its climax in love. Hence, an understanding of what the synonymous terms for God mean and of how they are related in an order go hand in hand, one ever clarifying the other. As we begin to ponder the order of the word, and it becomes more and more natural to consciousness, a tremendous fact dawns on thought, namely, that it is the most universal law of accomplishment that exists. We find that the seven days of creation illustrate this order, that many of the books of the Old and New Testaments are written in the pattern of this order that the subjects treated in the chapters of the Christian Science textbook unfold this order, and that not only the evolution of the world, but also that of mankind, has been controlled by this order. In fact, everything we do, if it is to achieve divine fulfillment, must follow this order. 
to use Mrs. Eddy's symbolism, from the rolling of worlds in the most subtle ether to a potato patch. Miscellaneous Writings 26, 6 to 8. Nothing ever unfolds except in the order of the Word of God, that is, in the order of mind, spirit, soul, principle, life, truth, love. It is the universal law of accomplishment. A greater, a more fundamental, and a more universal law than any law of so-called natural science. This is some indication of the tremendous facts available to consciousness the moment we earnestly study the seven synonymous terms for God and acquaint ourselves with them scientifically. Nature of Ideas when referring to the study of the seven synonymous terms for God, I drew attention to the fact that they are characterized by specific ideas. In Christian science, the term idea is used frequently, and great importance is attached to it. But here again we must ask ourselves whether we have a definite concept of the term as Mrs. Eddy uses it, or only a vague one. While in everyday language the term idea has a wide range of different meanings, in Christian science it is used in a well-defined way as an image in mind, the immediate object of understanding. Webster, Science and Health, 115, 17-18. Consequently, in Christian science, we can only call idea that which emanates from the divine mind, not from thought or brain, and therefore embodies only divine qualities. To investigate the nature of idea is an inspiring study and most profitable to the student. Here, however, I should like to confine myself to one main point which is that an idea has neither quantity, place, nor time. Just as we cannot say that there is a little or a lot of 2 plus 2 equals 4, or that 2 plus 2 equals 4 is here or there, so we cannot have a pound of an idea or a lot of an idea, or refer to an idea as being somewhere. 2 plus 2 equals 4 just is. It is timeless, spaceless, without quantity. Similarly, an idea just is. Therefore, every idea is, as it were, at the same point of place and time. One idea cannot help but be where every other idea is also. So each idea reflects and is related to every other idea, and thus reflects the whole of God in its individual way, just as each dewdrop, however small, always reflects the whole sun. Analysis and Synthesis This brings us to the next step, 
that enforces itself quite logically as we proceed into the realm of divine metaphysics. Having analyzed the one being into its three fundamental categories of ideas, see pages 6 to 9, we find that we have to reverse the method and combine these ideas into infinite computations. We then use the method of synthesis. The analysis of any science leads to an understanding of its underlying elements, and the synthesis is then needed when combining these elements in infinitely diversified ways to solve individual problems. Such combination of ideas as a divine infinite calculus, Science and Health 520.14, forms the basis for practical demonstrations. Infinite Reflections of Ideas Let us take arithmetic again to illustrate this further step in our logical unfoldment. When the child has learned the order of the ten digits, he is taught to combine each number with any other number. He begins to learn the numeration table. The child now computes numbers by bringing them into definite relationships. These computations are practically infinite. Similarly, in divine metaphysics, where we compute divine ideas, we can do so in infinite ways, since each idea reflects every other idea. Is this not what Mrs. Eddy indicates with the infinite calculus of spirit, science and health, 209-29-30, where also thought accepts the divine infinite calculus as we have seen before, there is no such thing as an idea by itself. Hence, an idea is only understood as idea when it is conceived in its sevenfold reflection, that is, in its reflection of the complete nature of God. In fact, only as we do this can we gain a complete concept of an idea of God. For example, we may have a problem which has to do with the question of creative ability. Through our study, we have learned that mind is the creator. However, if we leave it at this statement alone, we shall not yet have seen creator as an idea of God, for God stands always for all seven synonymous terms for God. Unless we understand the creative mind in its reflection of the nature of spirit and soul and principle and life and truth and love, we have an incomplete sense of it. We may still be in doubt whether mind creates materially or spiritually or in both ways. Thus, we have to see the idea of creator also as a reflection of spirit, which tells us that the creator creates only spiritually and not materially or through matter. 
but will this creation change? This question is answered only if this idea of creator is also seen as a reflection of soul. Soul is changeless, and so we know that this creation, which is spiritual, cannot change or get lost. This, however, does not say whether this creation is harmonious or not. Principle demonstrates harmony. And therefore we learn that the creations of mind, which are spiritual and unchangeable, are always harmonious. Any tendency to think in terms of the organic universe is corrected by the fact that life's idea is never organic. Thus we begin to apprehend mind's creation as a creation in a realm of the spiritual life, not of organic, structural, or embryonic life. Any belief that this creation could be incomplete or in any way faulty is wiped out by the fact that the idea of truth has health and wholeness and is therefore without fault. So mind's creation as a reflection of truth is always healthy, whole, and faultless. A last doubt whether this creative impulse will carry itself through to fulfillment or fail in its intent is resolved by love's idea as fulfillment. So we can rest in the knowledge that mind's creative ability also reflects the idea of love and therefore holds within itself all that is necessary to fulfill its purpose. In this way we learn that it is only as we view an idea in the light of every synonym for God that we find the complete concept of this idea. We have just been considering the idea of creative ability, mind, and have seen that this includes a spiritual, not a material creation, spirit, a creation which is changeless and cannot get lost, soul, which is harmonious, principle, inorganic, life, healthy, truth, and fulfilled in itself, love. Reflections are specific. In arithmetic, if we take a three and combine it with a four, we get a different result than if we combine it with a five or a six. This is also true in metaphysics. Although we can combine an idea of mind with any of the other six synonyms for God, the result is always a specifically different truth. Take, for instance, the idea of power, which characterizes intrinsically mind. Combine it with the other synonyms, and each time the result is something specifically different. It is by no means the same when we speak of the power of mind as when we speak of the power of spirit, or the power of soul, or the power of principle, or the power of life, or the power of truth, 
explore the power of love. The fact of the matter is that Mrs. Eddy uses these combinations most specifically throughout her writings. When she writes about the power of spirit, she means quite definitely something entirely different when she uses the power of love. If in the textbook we were to change one synonym for another, the text would acquire a different meaning, one not intended by the author, and which would, according to the context, not be the correct and exact one. It is therefore quite natural that the textbook begins to yield its true meaning only when, when one can rightly appreciate these important differences. What are these differences? If Christian science is a science, we must consciously know what they are, and we can only know and appreciate them when we know what each one of the seven synonymous terms for God means. Then we shall be able to learn how to combine the ideas of God intelligently and specifically, according to the need. No longer will this be done in a haphazard manner. There is nothing stereotyped or schematic about this reflection of ideas, as its possibilities are infinite. Though these reflections are infinite, we cannot use them at random. The problem at question determines the specific combination. The reflection of the synonymous terms for God. Having considered the infinite reflection of ideas, it becomes quite clear to us that in the realm of the infinite one, every one of the seven synonymous terms for God inevitably reflects every other. Mind cannot help reflecting spirit, soul, principle, life, truth, and love. And spirit cannot help reflecting mind, soul, principle, life, truth, and love. And this is true of every other synonym, because they all have one thing in common. They all relate to God. However, just as the number three is always a three, though it may be used in combination with another number, so the idea of mind always preserves its identity as the idea of mind, even if viewed in its reflection of spirit or soul and so on. We receive naturally quite a different concept say, of mind. If we consider mind in combination with spirit, and again quite different one when mind is viewed in relationship with soul, or with principle, or with life, or truth, or with love, the hues of divinity are more and more rarefied. Oneness understood. Let us glance back for a moment to the line of investigation that we have followed. We started from the one infinite God, indefinable as a whole. Its nature was then analyzed into seven fundamental synonymous terms, and they in turn were further defined 
through their characteristic ideas. 